This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com, iTunes, and on the Talk 1073 mobile app. Wow, last week's show with Sergeant Brian Taylor with the Baton Rouge Police Union was definitely something. Caused ripples, had my phone blowing up with text messages and even a couple of very interesting calls. And I've got something to say about that show and some of the stuff going on here regarding the new mayor and the police department and law enforcement as a whole here Uh, at the end of the show. Today's episode of The Clay Young Show features a conversation with Brian Dykes, a longtime restaurant owner and runner here. He has worked with the Yum brand, and you'll hear about that when I talk with him, what what the Yum brand is, if you don't know what it is. And we'll talk about what he's doing now at Ben 77 Bistro here in Baton Rouge. Brian is one of the owners there, and he's actually in the place every day. And it is one of my favorite places in Baton Rouge, just a fantastic ambiance, a wonderful courtyard, a great staff, and Brian is there every day making certain that everything is the way it's supposed to be. It has been host to three Smoke 'em If You Got 'em fundraisers benefiting military veterans, and it'll be the host of this year's event that incidentally is going to take place on May 21st. That's a Sunday in May. Come on out. It's $100 a person. It's a great time to get together with friends, have a great time, and 100% of the money we raise will benefit our military veterans this way, uh, this year, by way again of the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. They were uh, the organization that we gave the money to last year, and we'll do it again this year. We're trying to get Taya Kyle Uh, the widow of Chris Kyle in town for the event. But we've got lots of time to talk about that. And I definitely will be banging the drum and trying to get as many of you there as possible for the 2017, the fourth annual Smoke'em If You Got Them fundraiser. Four years, man. I'm pretty proud of that. And Brian and I are going to talk about the restaurant business, managing people, and he is going to give a little bit of his expertise on wine, and it's going to be amazing. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to having you guys hear that. As I record the open to the show here, I recently, earlier this week, was in Bossier City in Louisiana, North Louisiana, for the Bossier Chamber of Commerce's Awards Gala. CYE was the presenting sponsor for the second year in a row. 650 people gathered inside of the CenturyLink Center in Bossier to celebrate business. It was great. I enjoyed having uh, my buddy Tony Davis, who is a member of the Bessie Board, but also the head of the Natchitoches Chamber of Commerce, of which CYE is also a member. Uh, Dr. Tim Magner, who is the head of the Shreveport Chamber, was at, was at my table as well, and we're members of that chamber as well, trying to do more business in North Louisiana. Very happy with the people there. 
Uh, we had some other folks, friends come up from Baton Rouge who were there. Stephen Wagaspak with the Louisiana Association of Business and Industry was there with me as well. And it was so much fun. We got a chance to talk about business and gave out a bunch of awards. And I was very glad to be there. By the way, if you're in North Louisiana at any time, specifically in that Shreveport, Bossier area, might I recommend a restaurant, a steakhouse called Two Johns, the number two and Johns. Uh, That is a father and son, both named John. As you can tell, they blew the marketing budget on that. And it is a great place to go. And quite possibly they serve the, well, not quite possibly. From my standpoint, it is without a doubt the place that serves the best old-fashioned I have ever had, and I encourage you to try it when you're up there. A friend of mine who works with a distribution company uh, was up there, and I told I told her about it, and she tried it and texted me to say, you weren't lying. So when you hear that from someone who's had sommelier training, hey, that's not too bad. So uh, North Louisiana, thank you so much for being so hospitable to us up there, and I'm going to be back a whole lot more. We're doing a little business up there, and that's not something I'm going to talk a whole lot about here on the podcast But I will just say it is a great place to go. You will be surprised at what's happening up there. The money that's being spent on innovation, the investment in the future, and quite frankly, the quality of life up there might surprise you. You might think that there are, you know, horses and buggies moving around up there. Some people seem to think that way about North Louisiana, but it might surprise you. In fact, it will surprise you. So take a trip and enjoy it. I'm not really a casino guy, got nothing against people who are into casinos. I don't mean that that way. It's just really not my thing. But that's that's kind of what they're known for up there, especially in Shreveport. And that really isn't all that they are. There are a hell of a lot more. So uh, there it is. That's my shill for North Louisiana. Uh, They do good work. Now, Brian Dykes is going to talk with us about his time in the restaurant business and a whole lot more. And then after my interview with Brian, I will talk with you about last week's show and give you a preview of next week's show. I don't think you'll want to miss that. We'll take a quick break and come back with Brian Dykes of Ben 77 Bistro here in Baton Rouge. He'll be in the guest chair talking with you Next, promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial. Brian, explain what rebalancing your portfolio is and why it's so important. Well, you know... Everybody on your right hand has some amount of money that's safe. Yeah. And then on your left hand, you have a certain amount of money that, that you want to take risk with, whether it's 40%, 50%, 60% of your portfolio. You have large cap, mid cap, small cap value. You know, when's the last time you rebalance what you had? Right. Are you a buy hold and you just hope for the best? Are you the ostrich? You put your head in the sand and hope for the best. You have four or five years, you pull your head up and see right. what's going on. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting when someone says, I'll just pray about it. Well, you know, how'd that work out for you? You know, <laughs> so the point being is we got to rebalance what you're doing. <laughs> Think about your situation. The economy's changed, markets change, interest rates change. So, so has your income plan. That's fine. A time to now change advisors to a true income planner. Right. That's what we are. Give us a call. We'll see you tomorrow. 
It's always good to have a plan. And Brian is the man with that plan. Look him up online at brianlowfinancial.com in Baton Rouge, New Orleans, or Mandeville. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. Brian Dykes is one of the owners and the on the floor, I guess I'd call him the head coach offensive coordinator where we are in the year for Ben 77 Bistro here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's in Perkins Row, a fantastic development, Brian, that has really grown and developed a reputation of its own. I enjoy being there. And, you know, I want to talk about the business first. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. So before Ben 77, you worked with Yum Brands. And for those who don't know, Yum Brand is the corporation that owns KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell. Yes. And what did you do there? Well, I was an area manager for them. Uh, Got involved, I guess, in 2011, whenever they took over the franchise that was here. Mm -hmm. And um, they wanted to rebrand and go from a dine-in style to carry-out delivery only. Yeah. So they went in and uh, were going to rebuild about 60 stores in South Louisiana. And I uh, got a call one day um, from somebody looking that had operation experience. And so basically over two and a half years, every uh, six to eight weeks, I went and opened a new, a new store. Uh, what, I was, what constitutes opening a new store? Well, how that would work is they had a development team that would come out of Dallas and they would find real estate based on... Um, uh, you know, when you get into the delivery business, everything's kind of like a puzzle. So eventually they wanted all the areas of, you know, South Louisiana to be connected with delivery. So they would take okay. a map and uh, they started in the most heavily populated areas to start off with. They'd build a store and they would find a location. And once they got a location, they'd call me. I'd have to go drive by it, you know, several times, look at traffic flow and so mm-hmm. forth. And then um, we'd find the best location. Um they would come in, uh, secure the secure the spot, and then you'd have in, in 120 days, uh, you'd you'd have a store. 120 days. That's that was it. that was their turnaround. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, for people listening who are electeds, and I get a bunch of those, and they want say restaurants because these are all three reputable brands: Taco mm-hmm. Bell, KFC, Pizza right. Hut. If if a city calls you mm-hmm. and says, "Hey, we'd like one of your stores in a part of our city," how does that process go? Well, they they deal with that out of, um, you know, the Pizza Hut department, I guess, which department, I'm not sure what it is, yeah. was based out of Plano, Texas. Okay. Uh, Taco Bell and KFC were out of Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. So anyway, they would send people in from, from Plano and they would start the negotiations. And then once all that was figured out from uh, where the site would be, and, and they'd start the permitting. I didn't get involved in that. I would just right. get a phone call right. and say, hey, Brian, we're opening a store here. We need staff. And the first, the, the hardest thing was the first few stores because you had no staff, right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> so then you're hiring people, but then as, the, as it started to develop, you, you, know, you would hire your managers and, and most of your management team, and the management team would be your uh, general manager, your assistant manager, yeah. and then you'd have two or three what they called shift leaders. Okay. And you would start training them in a store that was already open for that 90-day period. And then whenever that other store got open, you would take that team and put them in place. Okay. Then you would hire another management team and you'd put them in that store and then you would work. Okay. Until another store got built. And then it was just, you were constantly moving those people around. What kind of people were you looking for? Well, when you get in, you know, you you had to, 
it's a quick service business. Yeah. Okay. So it's a lot different than a Ben 77. Sure. Right. Uh, you know, people come in the Ben and they sit and mm-hmm. they'll have a glass of wine and they're not in that big of a hurry. Right. And so it's a totally different sure. uh, clientele and a totally different staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get into the quick service business, people have to be able to think fast and they have to be ready. I always use the term ready for revenue. Right. Like you have to be ready when people, people come. Um, I haven't really eaten pizza since I left Pizza Hut because I had my fill of it for three years. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. You know, you'd have to have people that would understand, you know, when it got to be, uh, you know, five o'clock, yeah. you know, families were ready to eat. Yeah. And you needed yeah. to be prepared and yeah. you had to be focused. And it was uh, so anyway, the people needed to, um, you know, understand the restaurant business. Uh, but they also had to understand the speed of what right. it was and be willing to work. That it's so interesting thing. because fast food now is so defined by service. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's food as well. But, I, you know, you and I remember a time where people talked about how clean the bathrooms were at McDonald's. And right. They talked about all of these, you know, peripheral things that didn't have to do with the food that they liked. Right. Now you just want to be served by someone who actually looks like they care. Yeah. And it's hard to find places. I mean, the... I, I talked to a couple of the Veluzos, the third generation of mm-hmm. a few of, of the Veluzo family, and they talk about how hard it is yeah. to find committed people. What about that in 2017, finding in what will nor- mostly be millennials, right? Yes. To work and keep them motivated. How do you do that? Well, that's, you know, that's kind of, uh, it's kind of tough. I, I'm going to be 22 years in this business come May. Wow. Uh, started off downtown of Oils Cafe down yeah. there. I had that for I remember, years. right? And uh, I was just, you know, sharing with a couple of, uh, you know, restaurant people the other day or last week that every year, you know, the staff gets, I don't, I don't get any older, but the staff <laughs> definitely gets, gets younger. younger, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's really tough because, um, you know, from the restaurant business, there's tons of opportunity for them to go work. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and you, you get some folks that, um, well, you know, if there's a concert or if there's a football game or there, there's a, an event going on in their lives, some of them choose to say, well, you know what? I'm going to go do this because right. I know I can get another job because right. we're always looking for people in the restaurant business. Right. And um, it's kind of a shame, but a lot of the staff think think that way. Um, now, I've been very fortunate at Ben just because we do have a, a nicer clientele that sure. comes in. Right. And um, I've got several people that have been with me, you know, for an extended period of time, right. four or five years. You come yeah. in there. Yeah, you see absolutely. That. Um, but getting back to the quick service business, I mean, that's a huge turnover. And um, I think I'm not really familiar with the McDonald's uh, model, but. You know, when we were at Yum, I mean, they would offer scholarships and incentives mm-hmm. to get the younger people in there and get them to stay. Right. You know, you're not not everybody's going to make a career out of Pizza sure. Hut. Sure. Uh, but there are some people that I know that started, you know, and got scholarships, went to college, and then and end then, up in the corporate office. In the corporate office, yeah. And yeah. you know, you start getting Yum stock and, sure. and all sure. that. I mean, it's well, it's a big deal. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of funny though, you know. And back to the thing with with cities, when you go into a community, say a smaller community, mm-hmm. uh, I know you have to have a, a checklist of things in your head that you're looking for even before you sit down for a PowerPoint presentation by whoever right. the city rep is. What are those things? Well, you're you're looking um, for. Uh, I don't know how to say it, concentrated population. Yeah. 
You know, you can't get into an area that, you know, is so spread out sure. that people have to travel too far yeah. for a restaurant. Right. Because once those people get home, their chances are they're not going to get out. That's right. Uh, get back out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's real important. You know, you look at a one mile, five mile, three mile, I mean, one mile, three mile, five mile radius. Mm-hmm. And what's the population in that area? Um, and if you've got enough people, um, depending on what it is, you know, some of those, if you get back to the Pizza Hut thing, I mean, some of them could operate. And, uh, you know, they had a baseline where, you know, they had to make $10,000 a week. Um, and they think they can run that with two or three people, you know, hmm. have a couple of delivery drivers yeah. and a couple of people. Yeah. So your, your overhead's not that high. Right. Um, so they can make money. Now you get into Baton Rouge. Uh, your salaries are a little bit different, right? You know, your rent's a little higher, so right. so those numbers change. But that's basically Clay. What you're looking for is you got to have people that's going to eat your food. What yeah. what what's the buy-in for because for people who want to get into one of those franchises? I mean, I, I know it's got to be more than it was, say, 25, 30 years ago. Man, I have no idea on yeah. that. And the reason I say when you that, were there, what what was well, it? but I was corporate. Okay, you see, they they weren't doing franchises okay. because they had they had tons of franchises mm-hmm. that weren't performing the way they wanted them to. Uh-huh. So the corporate office was coming in and taking over. A lot so of they weren't stuff. private owners who were buying in when you were there. These were just, they yeah. were expanding from their own shop. Yeah. I never, is that, is that kind of common now? Uh, well, as far as what they were doing, they were coming in in the market um, and, uh, and just looking at the potential of what they could do. And yeah. they wanted to, to change this model, go into to delivery and, and carry out only. And then, you know, Baton Rouge, South Louisiana market for them was kind of a model. Yeah. And they picked certain areas, you know, they had one in Cincinnati, they did one over in, um, I want to say uh, around uh, Savannah, yeah. uh, which that in, in went all the way to the coast. Yeah. Uh, they had Baton Rouge, which we went basically from, uh, you know, Texas to, to Mississippi. We yeah. didn't go further than uh, Alexandria. Um, and inside of that, you know, 60 corporate stores that sure. they built and showed profit. And then they took that model. And I'm sure I haven't been with them since 2013. Uh, but I'm sure they took that model and said, hey, this is what you can do. And now they're trying to sell it. How'd you get to Yum? How? I got mm-hmm. a phone call one day. <laughs> and they, How'd they find you, though? I mean, what? what? I guess I don't know. But I don't, uh, After some, somebody a, come it, into a boils or something? It, it was mean, a headhunter that called me. Because I was at the time, uh, just to tell a little bit of the history, you know, I, uh, we had bought uh, a franchise called the Great Wine right. Bar and Bistro, right. and uh, we opened that in Perkins Row. And the actual franchisor of that struggled. We we were one of the best performing stores uh, here in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. but that franchise struggled. So we didn't know what was really going to happen. Right. And all that was in around 2011. And I got this call and and uh, went and met with Antoine, who uh, who was the uh, kind of the region coach, is what they yeah. called and. He told me what they were looking for, and I said I could do it. And he said it could be long term, it could be short term. We don't know. And ended up about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. I was with them. We opened about forty-eight stores. And so, then, so you were there only two and a half years. Yeah. You, what's your taste for the that corporate atmosphere of, of restaurant <laughs> business? Well, anybody that knows me knows I'm not really a big corporate guy. No, you not know? at all. Um, and uh, it, it, you know. It, one the biggest thing clay that i was impressed with was their model Mm. and i've taken i've taken what aspect of it well you know er everything was um everything was lined out to where you know you paid a certain amount if you paid a certain amount of rent 
Uh, you did a certain amount of sales. I mean, it's just like with any business, but sure. everything was lined out. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do so much advertising and so much rent, and this is how much money. And if you do all of these things, this is your profit, mm. right? Because in the restaurant business, you know, it's it's really adding and subtraction, right? Uh, you know, pretty pretty basic. But you know, everything was structured. They mm-hmm. looked and we looked at the numbers there every week. I mean, every Monday morning we had a conference call with a group of us, and we discussed the numbers. So we didn't wait a month to right. decide if something was wrong. If something was out of whack, mm-hmm. we, we adjusted it immediately, and that just was the corporate structure. I mean, we were on calls with people from Dallas and, and all over looking at the numbers. You know, one guy would run a spreadsheet on what your food cost was. One one person would run a spreadsheet on what your chemical costs were. Right. One would run a spreadsheet on what your labor costs were. And you got all this stuff downloaded Monday morning at 6 a.m. And at 8 o'clock, you were on the call. Mm-hmm. And we discussed it. And um, so I like that know. kind of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was pretty structured. Yeah. I mean, you had to be, you had to know what you were doing. How would you translate some of that experience, albeit short, compared to your other experience in restaurants, to what you you now do at Ben 77? Yeah. Well, the biggest thing, at, the difference at Ben is, you know, I'm dealing in a lot of high-dollar wines and right. liquors. All right. right? But it all kind of works the same. So you buy something for a certain price, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to understand that uh, wine has a uh, pretty short shelf life. Right. Right. So if you're not turning that product and Mm -hmm. selling it, well, then you're losing money. Right. Um, So just being able to stay competitive with the market, you know, if. You know, somebody down the road is selling a glass of wine for eight dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't sell it for fifteen, right? Because I'm going to price myself out of it. So you got to know the right. market, right? Um, and then you just got to know what the customer wants. Um, and um, you know, giving the customer what they want. Baton Rouge is a, is a town that likes big red wines, no yep. matter if it's a hundred degrees outside yep. or thirty degrees. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yep. having yep. that right variety to, to service them, and then um, and then understand that. Um, you know, from our concept at Ben, I won't repeat business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I've got to price the items to where I can tell a customer that, you know, you can come see me a couple of times a week and be able to afford to be here. Right. You know, I can't expect for my prices for that person to come a couple of times a week and spend two or three hundred dollars every time. Right. You know, so that's a big that's a big deal to, to give, you know, when I, I'll go back and tell you a little story. Whenever I opened a Voyles Cafe downtown on Third Street, mm-hmm. um, I had kind of uh, friended a, a, a chef, John French, um, just became a very good friend of mine, kind of my mentor. Yeah. And we were going over the menu, and, you know, it was downtown Baton Rouge. People have, what, an hour and a half, two hours to eat. Yep. And, and he was explaining to me, and he's like, you know, you need to have something on. Now, this was in 1996, mm-hmm. okay, so we're going back. He's like, you got to have something on your menu that's going to be, you know, five, five or six dollars or less. And I'm like, well, that, I, can't, I can't make any money doing that. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you why you have to do that. Because if you've got a group of four or five people that are going out and you've got one individual in that group that only has five bucks, that individual is going to sway your whole party to go somewhere else. Interesting. And so I've always Interesting. thought about that because, you know, you, and at the time I was doing a, I did a, a grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah. You know, uh, and we, we jacked it up right, a little bit, right? right, right. A grilled cheese wasn't sandwich. wasn't just bread and cheese, right? right? A bag of chips. Yeah. And then we did a, a Coke, yeah. an ice drink. I sold yeah. it for $5.95. And I did that so that somebody that had just, you know, so much money right. would, would come in. And we had other items that were people. and uh, But I, I'll never forget him telling me that. 
And so, you know, getting into the restaurant business, I, I got to have a, a six, seven dollar glass of wine. Right. I got to have a, you know, a little flatbread that costs right. 10, 12 bucks. And right. I mean, right. Times right. Change, so, sure. But same concept. It's interesting when you look at the personality of your restaurant, if, if someone from someplace else called you and said, hey, I'm coming into town on business or I'm here going to be visiting Baton Rouge with my family. Uh, tell me about your restaurant. How would you describe it? Well, um, from a food standpoint, Clay, I, I like to say that uh, we're, we're uh, I always called it Southern Fusion. Uh, I don't yeah. know if I made that word up or not, but uh, we, we use fresh ingredients. Yep. Uh, and, and Chef Danny, he, he takes a lot of time and care in, in, uh, in the products that we use. Um, but he puts it together to be, um, I don't like the word creative, but he puts it together to where the taste complement each other, mm-hmm. you know, and we're not an a la carte restaurant. You right. don't come in and order a steak and then get a baked potato, right. you know, uh, he kind of puts everything together. Right. Um, so, you know, that farm to table, uh, term is, is used a lot and that's just basically taking fresh local ingredients, uh, preparing them with as little, uh, manipulation as possible so mm-hmm. they stand out mm-hmm. and then putting it on the plate so it so it tastes good you know i i catch heat from my buddy scott overby at Doe's. you know you know scott and leo at sullivan's here because i say the the best ribeye in baton rouge is at ben 77 right. and the normal thing i get is don't they sell wine there it's like yeah perfect place to get a steak um and I actually said that, I think, in 225 Magazine about three years ago. Thank you for that. Uh, well, it's the truth, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't gotten, and by the way, I've not gotten anything free in terms of a steak over there because of that. <laughs> I just like the steak. It, the, the thing that gets me the most is I think the courtyard is amazing mm-hmm. for people who want I like being outdoors, especially if I can get a couple minutes during the day because it breaks the monotony. Right. And then I do think your, your place is fast. Mm-hmm. And even in a sit-down restaurant where people have a little more time, I still think speed is important yeah oh yeah totally um you know you have to be uh and and that's where it comes where all all parts of a restaurant have to work together so you know your uh your server has to be engaging to the guest Mm -hmm. to know uh, what the guest is looking for is that guest coming in to get to a movie or or they got to go pick up the kids from a babysitter or what are they there just to, to you know sit for a while yeah so that comes from whenever uh you know the, the server can engage the guests and kind of feel them out yeah and then can lead them i always tell my servers you know y'all are commissioned salespeople, right you know so you need to be able to kind of lead that guest mm-hmm. um in, in a certain direction right and you know people are coming in they've had long days at work mm-hmm. right and so when they come into the restaurant they're actually trying to leave that behind a little bit yeah and they kind of want to be entertained right um and and uh you know being able to get the food out timely so they don't have to wait now mm-hmm. we we i'll go be the first one to tell you we do have some issues you come to ben 77 friday night at 7 30 and we got every table full and the patio is oh, yeah. pretty and it's yeah. just you know we're doing the best we can and sure. i think the guests understand oh that, sure you know uh, but that's where it comes it's a good problem to have though. it's a very good problem to have i love it <laughs> yeah, right. uh, but it's a lot of work you know right. you can you can uh you can go into the restaurant and it's like nice and calm and the music's playing and as soon as you open that door in the kitchen it's like you know hell, like hell's kitchen <laughs> that's back exactly there. right that's right <laughs> everybody's yelling and getting it, but we all we get it done and then after that we all uh we all have a good time after you know what are for people because i think about restaurants and and if you think about movies experiences mm-hmm. that you've had in life 
in some form or another, a restaurant fits into that, whether people are going to a restaurant to eat on a birthday or after a kid's graduation right. or on an anniversary or a big company thing or for the holidays. Restaurants are kind of indelibly etched into memories that we have through life. But what are some of the pitfalls? If somebody out there listening says, you know, I want to own a restaurant one day. What would you tell them to think about before they jumped into that? Well, I would tell them to think about a different direction. <laughs> okay, okay. It's a little <laughs> blunt there, Brian, but okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I would tell them that they had uh, better be uh, a jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. They better know how to do everything. Uh, Explain that. Well, you know, from uh, being able to do plumbing to mm-hmm. when, you know. Oh, okay. Fix, fix the, yeah. uh, you know, a light goes out. you yeah. got to be able to figure that yeah. out. Yeah. You know, the 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 toilet uh, how many restaurants or offices have you been in where it says you know please don't throw the paper towels into the toilet right right, right. <laughs> lots of them there's a reason for that that's exactly you know, we right we don't want you to but that could mess you up at you know nine o'clock on a saturday night right so you have to learn how to do that and then and that's the you know kind of the bad side of it but but you know i, I work six seven days a week mm-hmm. uh, and i work a lot of hours mm-hmm. um typically you know, a restaurant opens at 11. Well, you're, you're not there at 1045. Right. Your staff's there at 738 o'clock sure. prepping. Right. Uh, and then, you know, you close at 11, 12, 1 in the morning. So you got to have people there at that time. Mm-hmm. And so it's a long day. It makes for a long, it's a lot of hours. Uh, and that's the biggest thing that I tell people is that if you want to get into the restaurant business, um, just be prepared to work. Yeah. It's not a 40-hour work week. Right. Now, it's very rewarding. Sure. I mean, you know, I can tell you yesterday I had a few uh, other restaurant people in town. We're, we're all, mm-hmm. you know, we're all friends. And the, I do notice that. Yeah, we yeah. sat on the patio. and, and um, Nice day for we it. We just had a really good time. Yeah. You just kind of let your hair down a little bit. Is there a fraternity? I mean, actually, because, and for people who know me, it's, it's you know, one of my favorite places. And so mm-hmm. often I'm there and I'll see you with other restaurant owners right and I didn't realize how much of a fraternity there yeah. was this, this collegial atmosphere before seeing that is that a relatively new thing or has that always been there no I think it's always been there um and uh you know it's we all kind of go through the same you know we sure. all serve different food yeah uh, but we all kind of go through the same things we all you know the same employees and the same issues mm-hmm. and and you know we're not really fighting after the same customer base but baton rouge is not a huge town no you know we're not talking about houston or chicago where you have millions of people right um and so we all have the same customer base and and we all want to do a good job and we talk about the issues Mm -hmm. um and so that we can give the the baton rouge people the best experience you know it's it's so good that you say that being in an advertising pr and branding i generally root for the industry Mm -hmm. and my philosophy is if the industry is doing well than those of us who work hard at it to provide a good service mm-hmm. and a good return on investment will be fine. Right. So it's not really competition. If, if, if people are spending money in a certain area mm-hmm. and the money is there, if you do your job, you'll get your part of it. That's correct. That's a better way to look at it, in my opinion, than saying, I got to beat so-and-so down the street. Mm-hmm. So I stay in business and they go out of business. Right. To me, that's kind of a a bad way of thinking about it when the industry is down everybody suffers when it's up the ones who do it well do well is that fair benefit oh yeah that's a excellent statement so let's talk a little bit about wine at ben Mm -hmm. 77 and it and one of the things that brian and i will talk about it's you know kind of a sidebar thing pardon the pun because they also acquired 
Actually, before we get to wine, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Ben 77, formerly The Grape, uh, you guys had the restaurant with the patio, and right. across the patio from you was the wine loft. That's correct. And it closed and stayed closed for a period of time that I don't remember. And you you decided to acquire it. Why'd y'all make that decision? Well, it, you know, it was kind of um, an interesting layout to where you had two establishments that shared the same courtyard. Right. Um, and I kind of understood, I guess, in the beginning how they did that. that you know, they thought... Um, having you know two restaurants was better than just having one in that big space right well you know as it evolved uh we all fought over the same the same space the same right. tables and uh, now you're literally fighting over customers there yes <laughs> yes yeah, it, yeah. It, that was not a good design so anyway you know i'm not sure whatever happened with uh with uh, the loft of the wine loft but um i want to say around 2014 15 they they uh, 2014 they went out we, yeah. we took it over this coming march will be two years right so um you know we were growing mm-hmm. you know our place is kind of small and so we wanted to be able to expand and mm-hmm. so taking that space over allowed us to have that customer that's just coming in to want to get a drink and go to the movie i was able to ha- give them an opportunity to do that right without coming into the restaurant and and uh, having to sit right. and wait. People who don't want a sit-down meal, yes. you know, tapas or, or, or you know, something on the go yeah. quickly. It, and you're right, because we did the first Smoke em If You Got them in 14, mm-hmm. and we had the entire courtyard, and I think the loft, I mean, maybe it just wasn't open. I know we had the entire courtyard then. Yeah. So now, as I was going to transition to wine, there are so many people around the country and, and even in this town who practice the art of learning about wine, right. understanding uh, where the grapes were born, mm-hmm. how the blends work together, what's the history of the company that, that blends the wine and makes right. it, the regions in the nation where the best wines come from. So I consider myself really a novice on that and mm-hmm. trying to learn, but for people at that level who are trying to understand it, let's do a once over and then we'll take our time going through it. If someone says, okay, tell me about wine. What should I need to know? Well, I would start with um, probably uh, asking them how, let me, let me go back. Um, if somebody comes in and says, you know, I want to learn about wine. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I'm going to ask them is if you were at your house right now, what would you drink? Okay. Okay, and they're going to say, you know, Cabernet, Merlot, Pinot, whatever, whatever variety. It sure. Is. Okay, and then so from there, you know, I'm going to kind of see where their taste profile is. Mm-hmm. If, if they like uh, a Pinot, uh, Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a little bit of a, a thinner wine. Okay, and what I mean by thinner, just think of think of wine as milk, where you have skim milk, okay, whole milk, and then say half and half or heavy cream. Right. It's kind of all the same product. Okay. It's just got a different mouthfeel. What what constitutes thinner? Uh, well, it's a thinner skinned grape. Okay. Okay. So the wine comes out a little bit thinner on the on the palate. Okay. Just you could see through it. Okay. Still got tons of flavor. Sure. Okay. Um, so when when you're talking about grapes, uh, you know a grape is just like any other fruit. It has a skin that protects the fruit on the inside. Right. Um, and but that that skin is so uh, so thin. Um, that it picks up a lot of nutrients, or if the sun is too intense, that skin's got to get thicker to protect the fruit. Okay. So then you've got a Merlot or a Cabernet, you've got a thicker skin. Right. right? Uh, all grape juice is clear, right? No matter what color the skin is. Mm-hmm. 
the wine doesn't get a color until the skin stays in the juice right. for an extended period of time. Okay. Okay, so the person comes in, they want to learn about wine. I'm going to let them taste here, taste this, taste this, okay, mm-hmm. whatever. Let me, let me find out where you're at. So they say they like uh, A over B, and A happens to be a Cabernet from California. Okay. All right? The next thing I'm going to do is say, well, you know, this particular Cabernet is from Napa Valley, uh, the let's just say people would probably be familiar with Rutherford, mm-hmm. the Rutherford area. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you you like that wine from that region. Now, what we need to do is we need to research that region, and we need to find all the little wineries that are in that region. Okay, because chances are those wines are going to be similar in taste. Okay, because the same amount of sunshine, the same amount of rain, the consistency of temperature, okay, and the soil content is probably the same. Okay, so you're going to get the same taste. Okay. So when people want to learn about wine, they have to, well, one, start off with the grape they like, mm-hmm. and then they have to learn the region. That would, that would be the, the second most important thing. Interesting. Because when you learn the region, then you can walk into a grocery store, mm-hmm. or you can walk into a Ben 77, mm-hmm. or a, you know, a Jubin's, or a Mansur's, or sure. whatever, look at their wine list. And say, you know what? I really like Cabernets from Rutherford. What wines do you have? You know what's so amazing about that? The, the description was very well done, but the thing that pops into my head is cigars. Yeah. That is almost the exact concept of cigars. Mm-hmm. The, the region, the, 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 the country of origin has a signature taste profile, right. whether it's Nicaragua or... Uh, someplace in Mexico, mm-hmm. you know, Cubans, Cubans have a similar profile, right. you know, a Honduran cigar. So when the blend is together, I know what combinations I'm going to taste based upon my history with them. I tell people, right. people, you actually taste a cigar when you're having it. Right. Yeah, if you're just blowing through it, first of all, you're wasting a lot of money. because mm-hmm. you, If you're smoking those things not to enjoy them just as a habit, you're crazy because right. they're expensive. But that's what I, that's what I get. So now, understanding the region mm-hmm. talk a little bit more you said something earlier i want to go back to because i thought about like uh like scotches or whiskeys that the mm-hmm. color comes from the cask mm-hmm. that they are kept in as they age and that's right. where the brown color because alcohol it's born clear and the cask gives it its color correct, correct? yes correct. so let's talk a little bit about that with the colors for uh, the wines you talked about how the Pinot is a little clearer, so you mm-hmm. can see through it as a mm-hmm. red, and you went all the way to Cab, mm-hmm. which is the heavier or the more robust of the reds. Right. Kind of take us through that a little bit. Well, the, the easiest way to, dis- to to explain that is whenever you think of a uh, rosé wine, mm-hmm. okay, a pink wine. Yeah, you know, r- real men don't drink pink. Right, wine, right. right. Okay, well, right. that's so far from the truth. Right, absolutely. <laughs> Most people uh, will associate a uh, white Zinfandel mm-hmm. uh, as a, a pink wine or a sweet wine. Sure. Well, actually, a Zinfandel grape is a bright red, I mean, a dark red grape that makes a very, very thick, jammy red wine. The only way it becomes what they call a white Zinfandel is instead of the skin staying in the juice for, say, 10 days yeah. or 30 days, yeah. it stays in it for one hour to maybe three hours. Huh. Okay, and then the clear grape juice turns pink okay so because it isn't in there as long that's correct you leave it in there for an extended period of time you harvest it at a certain time well right. then that wine's going to come dark dark purple right right stain your teeth purple, right right okay? um and so they can make a rosé that's a cabernet rosé mm-hmm. uh, they can make a merlot rosé as a matter of fact if you 
uh, are ever doing like barbecued uh, ribs or barbecued pork and you get a, uh, a rosé, a cab rosé and drink that wine a little bit chilled, it's like a match made in heaven. It's perfect. So you're... I can't. I'm looking forward to getting to that. So I'm going to pretend you didn't say that because I don't want it to taint where I was going to go because I was going to ask you about pairings. But that right. was awesome. I could. That yeah. was so good. I could see myself doing that this evening. But yeah. uh, so now whites. Uh-huh. Obviously, we now know. And and for those who did not know that, you know, obviously the colors are coming from the skin on the grape. But right. white wine from mm-hmm. yeah, Chardonnay to uh, some kind of Sauvignon, or whatever. Let's talk a little bit about those. Well, they, um, my, my favorite wine to drink is a Chardonnay. Yeah. Okay. Nice I, butter, I, buttery Chardonnay? Um, no, to me, that's a little overpowering. Okay. Um, with the right food, it's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to me, you can do so many things with the Chardonnay grape. You know, you can put it in stainless steel. You can put it in French oak, American mm-hmm. oak. Yeah. Uh, you can leave it in oak for just a little bit. Or you can put it in a neutral barrel. Yeah. So once a barrel clay has been used once, it becomes neutral. It doesn't. It's just the vessel at that point. It okay. won't impart any oak okay. you know, qualities okay. into it. One reason why wine's so expensive because these winemakers have to constantly buy new barrels. Okay. And they're not cheap. Okay. Uh, but when you get into the white wine, so if you take uh, you know a Sauvignon Blanc, it's just got a different taste profile, a little bit more tart. You're going to serve that uh, chilled. And it's a great patio wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like a Sauvignon Blanc if I'm going to open the evening. Yeah. Because it does have a little bit more acidity to it, and it's a little bit a little bit more tart. Yeah. Uh, and what that does is it kind of gets your palate ready to receive food or to receive more wine. It kind of gets your palate salivating a little bit. Interesting. So you, you would recommend it as kind of a, a pre-dinner sipping wine mm-hmm. to kind of get your taste buds yeah, ready for what on. you're going to okay or right. a little bit maybe uh you know a half a glass of uh sparkling a champagne it just kind of gets your palate going it's a little bit drier that's interesting you know and uh it makes you you know in the restaurant industry it makes you want to eat and that's what right. we want you know? right right we right that um and then when you you know when you get into the chardonnays like i was saying they could be in um you know like stainless steel and when you do that it gives a really clean crisp taste mm-hmm. uh you can put something in heavy oak and you get the uh you get the oaky or toasty notes. right right uh you let it go through a second fermentation which goes through the malolactic fermentation because mm-hmm. if you like in that butter um that's what you're looking for in a wine is, so, is a malolactic fermentation okay. so it ferments and they let it sit then it goes through a second okay and when it does that it creams the grape up okay uh and uh, and gives you that um gives you that butter is which so when you read the label right once you learn your taste and mm-hmm. what you like, if you like Chardonnays and you like them unoaked, go mm-hmm. buy a Chardonnay that's got a silver like a silver cap because silver ninety nine percent of the time dictates that it's an unoaked Chardonnay. It's in in stainless. Silver cap dictates yeah. that it's it's unoaked, right? Uh, and it was kept in a well. It's just it's just uh, for, uh, in a stainless steel vessel as okay. opposed to an oak barrel. So even the caps have that significance yeah. to them. Yeah. You know, I generally go for a bigger cab, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes depending on what I'm doing, I want a Chardonnay. Uh, you know, I like we we talk about Camus all the time by the Wagner family, right. and it's 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 very nice. But you know, their Prisoners is a, is another one that's that's popular now. Mm-hmm. I generally don't want to do anything fad unless it's like really. If you tell me about something, generally you're telling me about it because of the quality, because of what the company is doing, the taste. Right. You generally aren't pushing people to a fad, right? Quite frankly, and I like that because I want to know. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to just 
buy what everybody's buying because you know they're people who buy the fad and don't know what the hell they're drinking yeah, they're, you know that's marketing <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about pairing here in you know remaining moments mm-hmm. so then this is a big seafood part of right. the world from right. shellfish to just you know fish mm-hmm. dishes mm-hmm. if someone was sitting down to have you know boiled shrimp, fried shrimp, or grilled tuna, sea bass, whatever, Uh what would you say would be in the list of things they should consider and why? Well, you know, when you're pairing, you you need to uh, think about the uh, the taste, okay, okay, uh, of the food, for one thing. Okay. Um, And then then think about the the taste you're going for with the wine. So you can want to do similar. Okay. Okay. Or you want to do totally opposite. Okay. So you you mentioned uh, barbecued shrimp. Okay. Uh, or you do boiled crawfish. Yeah. Well, what am I thinking of? I'm thinking spicy. Yeah. Um, and so would I go sweet wine? Yeah. To offset the spice? Hmm. Yeah, I would go sweet wine. Okay, oh, I man. would go uh, a Riesling or something just a little bit sweeter uh, because that washes your palate. It gets right. rid of the spice. Uh, huh. Same thing with sushi. But I'm thinking sushi... Uh, it's kind of normally a little bit sweeter right. taste, so I'm going to stay sweet yeah. with that. Yeah. Right. So those similar yeah. or opposite. Uh, so let's think about uh, people say, you know, uh, I'm going to do red meat, and so I need, you know, red wine. Okay. Is, well, that, a, is that an up or down? Would no, you that's, say? that's okay. fine, but okay. you got to just think about if I'm doing a filet. Okay. Okay, what's a, what's a filet? It's a tender, mm-hmm. right? Tenderloin. Mm-hmm. It's the tenderest cut of meat. Right delicate right why do I want to want to throw a big cab okay that's going to overpower the the food so what would you put with it a pinot pinot is lighter pinot is thinner still got the flavor sure but it doesn't have that big big uh taste I mean a big mouthfeel yeah to overpower the steak interesting now I'm throwing the big the the, the Ben 77 prime rib you got to go get that folks if you haven't had it <laughs> you know i mean we smoke it first and then and then we throw it on the grill and then you top it with shrimp yeah well whatever you want we'll top it <laughs> uh, but then you know you're thinking that's a big yeah. cut of meat right yeah. so what do i need with that i need a big bold wine right so that makes the difference so just think so that's think where the that. cab would go yeah okay. cab or Merlot. Yeah, so something like that I want to go back to what you said about ribs, if you're grilling ribs or grilling chicken mm-hmm. in the evening. Because oftentimes, if, if, if I fire up the grill and I'm grilling something like you know some pork or chicken, I really don't always put barbecue sauce on it. I, right. I'm kind of in a mood for it, but normally I like the taste of just having it grilled. Yeah. And, you know, I'll add wood chips for that smoky flavor, but I'm using a natural gas mm-hmm. uh, grill. Mm-hmm. So... You said earlier, going back to that, what would you pair again with ribs if, if you were grilling them? Well, if I was doing and I was putting some type of barbecue sauce on, okay. you know, not real heavy. Yeah. Um, you're going to, that's going to give that food a little bit of a um, heavier taste. Yeah. You know, so, so I wouldn't go big red, you know, I would, I would probably go in that rosé category, but okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do a sweet rosé wine, you know, okay. I would do something that's a cab yeah. or a Merlot rosé okay where it's just not as heavy okay still and you chill it a little bit so to cleanse that now if you were just smoking your food mm-hmm. um i mean you, you could do a kind of a heavier chardonnay with mm. with with pork pork's a white meat chicken's yeah. a white meat yeah you know yeah. it's a little bit more delicate tuna let's go back to tuna um that's a, that's popular around these parts yeah, t- anyway. tuna tuna i would probably depending on how it's how it's uh prepared seared but, yeah seared i would probably go with a, a pinot or a heavier chardonnay with that 
You know? It's interesting. Um, so there's we could go do another hour about this. Actually, this gives me, gives me an idea. What's your perfect pairing? My, if if at, after at, after the end or at the end of a long day, uh-huh. uh, a long day in which you can get to your home before eleven o'clock at night, right? If you're gonna fire up your grill or you know go and prepare dinner or something, what's your go to? Well, if I'm doing, uh, I, I really like a uh, a ribeye. Yeah, it's just got a lot, a lot to it. You know, I just, I just love it. Um, and uh, I would do a, a a really nice merlot with that. You know, kind okay. of a higher end merlot. Merlot is just a a wine that kind of gets bashed around because, you know, th- there were a lot of them made that really were cheap, mm-hmm. and uh, they were they weren't made properly. Right. I guess to say, and and um, just if you if you drink a higher end merlot uh it's just got a lot of structure to it you got a lot of dark berry blueberry blackberry mm-hmm. but i would throw that steak on the grill on my little kamado and i'd grill it and that's that's where i'd go that'd be perfect for me what's your feeling about cooking with wine not necessarily a sherry but people who will use a red mm-hmm. they'll pour it over their steak or let it you know marinate in and in, in there mm-hmm. and then put it on the grill what's your philosophy about that oh i think that's fine i would always take that wine though and i would reduce it uh, on the stove a little bit to concentrate the flavor mm-hmm. and then and then use that i mean one of the best sauces that that red wine reduction that we do we yeah. take that and, and yeah. mix it with a little demi and yeah. and a little beef base and then cook it down and, and it's fabulous yeah. listen it's it's a fantastic place to go and have a meal in baton rouge but even even more special is the community commitment that you guys have. As mm-hmm. I've talked about here, we've done three coming up on our fourth fundraiser for military veterans. Right. Smoke them if you got them. I actually found out yesterday that the company that did the cigars for us last year that did the custom box that you see sitting over there in the studio, mm-hmm. they're actually uh, they're about 95% sure they're going to put a band on it. Oh, that's awesome. And so I'm going to try to get the logo, the date, and the location of where it is. Mm-hmm. So that'll be on those cigars. Mm-hmm. And that's I'll close with that talking with you about the your your investment in the community and some of the things that you do. I mean, you've helped out the YMCA and all these groups. Why is that important to you? Oh well, it's always about giving back. You know, um, it's just you, you you can't receive if you don't give. Right, right. You know, and it uh, the uh, you know just the law of gratitude is so important. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you want to always be able to uh, to to give and help the community because that's who are the ones that are going to give back to you. Right. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just talk a little bit about the uh, Baton Rouge Epicurean please, Society. Please, please. Uh, you know, it was an organization that was started 10 years ago and uh, just a group of restaurant and wine people that got together and was trying to figure out how to give back. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our mission is that we we, uh, we give back childhood nutrition and then we uh, we further the culinary arts with scholarships to you know Nichols and, and LSU for right. the hospitality industry and um you when's know, was, a big event you'll have a, uh a- August uh 24th 25th this year Fat yeah. Rouge uh it's going to be at La Burge. yeah and then uh we'll have our uh, our smaller event uh the, what we call crawfet to where all the restaurants prepare crawfish dishes that's sure. coming up in the uh, first of April um but you know that's just a way for us to always give back Right. Uh, I've been sitting on that board for four years now, and it's um, it's, I don't know, just great for for uh, the community <coughs> that supports us, and then what we can give back, and and uh, but you know, getting back to your original question, you know, if if we don't help each other out, who's gonna who how how is it that's gonna exactly work? Right? right. You know, that's right. 
<laughs> I think this is a good town. Yeah. And the negativity spreads so quickly, but there are people here. I always say, no matter what you think about Baton Rouge in the aftermath of some of the the moments of heightened intensity last year, when the floods happened, you saw people jump in to help one another, oh, yeah. and they didn't care where you were from or right. what you looked like. Yep. And we we step over those memories to hold on to the negative ones, and mm-hmm. that to me is it, it just it's a it's a head scratcher. Right. How can people learn more about the Epicurean Society? Uh, well, they can just go to the website, the uh, you know Baton Rouge uh, Epicurean the Initials uh, Breasts mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and we'll talk about it. We got all the people that we uh, gave money back to, and we we really helped the food bank this year. They struggled, and uh, but they can find out about it there or, or check out the Facebook page, you know, at Baton Rouge Epicurean Society. Man, I appreciate you coming on the show. I'll see you soon at Ben. All right. Sounds good, man. Thank you. (laughs) Brian Dykes, Ben 77 Bistro in Baton Rouge. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, Call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick. And I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 three mobile app. This is the Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. Man, listening to Brian Dykes talking about some of those pairing options made me hungry. And I know I'm not the only one that's going to try some of what he said, with one exception. And I know for some of you who are listening to the show and who know me, even as he was talking about it, you probably know this already if you know me and if you don't I'll just tell you I am deathly allergic to shellfish so that pairing between shrimp and crawfish and champagne probably wouldn't happen because that would be like my electric chair meal that would be the last meal I had before going on in as they used to say back in the day Uh, but he did a great job I enjoyed the conversation and look forward to having Brian back in the future now next week our guest on the show will be Gary Chambers, who is the publisher of the Rouge Collection. Gary wants to come onto the show to talk about or respond to some of what was said by Sergeant Brian Taylor of the Baton Rouge Police Department and the Police Union. And absolutely, people want to come on and talk about controversial things and have you know, real conversations. I welcome it. That's one of the things that I'm hoping to provide with this platform. Talk about what people are talking about and get some of the insiders and people with expertise on to talk about the things that are going on. You know, last week's show was in the Baton Rouge Advocate for a couple of days. There was coverage about what Brian said here on the show in the paper. And I think the following day they did a follow up after talking with the mayor. The stuff going on right now, some of the commentary about law enforcement is a bit unfortunate. But I will tell you this. When I sit and talk with people, and I'll probably talk about this more with Gary when he's here next week. Last week I said on the show that I'm pro-law enforcement. 
I'm not hiding it. I'm also pro-helping communities. I don't hide that either, but that's my choice. I volunteer and try to help kids and people in communities that struggle because it's what I want to do. I don't ask anybody's permission. I just want to help, and I do in my own way. And I get to set the metrics of what level of help to give, and I have been doing it for 25 years, giving back as much as I can, truth. The other side of that is I support law enforcement. Do I believe 100% of police officers are all good? Hell no. But pick for me an industry of any kind where 100% of the people are all good. Doesn't exist. But what I support is what law enforcement officers and military veterans do. That's my choice. Now, some people may disagree with me on that, and that's fine. That would be your choice. But I'm not asking for permission for the positions I take. I'm a grown, fill-in-the-blank man. And what I do is pretty much based upon where I stand on issues. The reason I tell people I'm pro-law enforcement is after having done this for 20 years, When I'm sitting with someone, I want you to know my biases. I want you to know when I'm not impartial. Because I think I owe you that. Because otherwise, I'm kind of a hypocrite if I'm sitting and talking with someone and I'm pretending to not have a position on it when I really do. But I said that with Brian, but I still asked him questions about the complaints of people who live in the inner city, specifically black folks. I asked him those questions and he answered them. Now, you may not agree with what was going on or what was said, but I asked the question and he answered. Same will go with Gary next week. I'll ask Gary questions. Some may disagree. Some may agree. And that's your choice. And we'll have a real conversation. But I, from my standpoint, I just want to be straight up with you about where I stand on issues. And that's just how I choose to do it. This is not a platform that is run or paid for by iHeart or Guarantee or some radio cluster. This is a CYE production, okay? It's in my building, in my studio, and on my time. And I do this because it's a part of what I want to do as it relates to a lot of subjects, And I appreciate everyone who listens, but that's I'm coming straight at you about it. So my deal is not weaseling because I just don't like weasels. I say that to you. So if you don't know me and you hear this, at least you know where I stand. This is not a traditional news show where I'm doing an interview and I'm calling balls and strikes. I don't give my opinion at all. You'll hear my opinion on these shows. But on controversial subjects, I kind of want you to know where I am. So you'll at least understand that, but I will still ask questions from both sides of the equation. I asked Brian about bad cops, and you heard what he said if you heard the show. If you didn't, go back and listen to it. I asked him about what people said in the inner city, as I just talked about a second ago, and he answered those questions. And if you listen to the show, I didn't take any personal shots at Mayor Broom. I've known Sharon Weston Broom for, gosh, 15 years And so I'm not going to do that. Quite frankly, if I have a problem with her, I got her cell phone number. I'll call her directly. I won't do it on the show. That's a chicken scratch way of handling it. Not my style. Confrontation doesn't bother me. 
But I think as adults, we should be able to agree and disagree in a way that doesn't have to degrade into name calling. And I'm not going to do that here. Now, if I get pissed off with someone here doing an interview with me and we're going back and forth, we will handle business in this room, both of us. And everybody who's been on this show can tell you that what they hear that comes across podcast225.com is what happened in this room. That's the way it rolls. And that's how it's always going to roll. And so I look forward to having you gain perspective from how Gary Chambers thinks and what his positions are and in a long form conversation and we'll talk as long as we need to. I'm looking forward to it. And so I think it'll be really good to have that dialogue. And I don't have to do it in two and a half or three minutes. We can do it for as long as we need to. So it'll be good. So I encourage you to listen to the show next week. And Gary will get a chance to respond to everything he had a problem with. And he'll get a chance to say what he wants to say. And we'll, we, we will disagree on some things and we will probably agree on some things. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. And that'll be on next week's Clay Young Show. We're hoping to build a platform here with this show that will not just with my show, but with the waiting room and other shows where we've got a diversity of people and a diversity of opinions and people can. And I want to do something special with this thing, working really hard at it, guys, working really hard at it. And this is just the beginning. We're just over 100 shows into this thing. And it's the really the first of its kind in this way, in this town, in the way that we're doing it. And I'm a guy who, who comes from having done talk shows for years. But it's important to me to try to get this right and to give you a well-rounded perspective on things going on. May not get to everybody. Uh, I, I'm going to try to get the governor in here. I, I was actually talking to somebody about that last week and I got a contact to talk about some of what's going on. And we'll talk about lots of things. And I hope you enjoy it. But you know what? Here's the thing about this show. It isn't on your radio station where you got to put up with who's hosting the show to be able to hear news and traffic. This is a totally by choice thing. You could listen and I hope you will or you don't because you don't want to hear it. And that's fine, too. Hoping that there are not many of you out there that feel that way. But if you do, hey, we're all adults. It's fine. The sun will come up tomorrow. And with that. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We appreciate you guys a whole lot. The comments I get from y'all, it's, it's really amazing and humbling. Thank you so much. And like I said, we're working hard at it to do something really, really special with this thing. And I appreciate you listening. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. We're working on getting into the Google Play Store right now. That's actually a project that we're undertaking as we speak. It's a little more uh, tedious than the iTunes situation, but that's okay. That's all right. That's life too. We'll get her done and we'll be there as well. And uh, when you subscribe or if you go to iTunes, leave us a rating there. I keep saying that and uh, that, that's, that's important. Leave us a rating there and tell your friends about us. Share it on Facebook as many of you do and I appreciate it. You can follow me on, on Facebook, uh, Facebook backslash Clay Young or on Twitter at Clay Young BR. And that's about as far as I will go with the social media stuff on this, uh, despite some of the <laughs> lobbying that happens in the building from my folks here about doing more. But uh, that's, that's about it for right now. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And we'll see you next week on the Clay Young Show. Later. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Clay Young Show.